has been pushed. We are here. What's happening, Matt? Well, well, I'm not. Oh, I'm elsewhere. Unbelievable! Not in the house today. Matt is there. I am no, here. I'm in a house. How is that a house not, feeling for you today? Uh, a little cold and kind of noisy. Uh, wrap yourself around in a shawl because we've got stuff to talk about. There was an Oscars thing that happened yesterday. Did you hear about this? Uh, yeah, unfortunately. You did indeed. Now let's keep this positive. Like rest- Do what? Well, I mean, the rest of the world heard about it, too, because for the first time in years, the ratings went up. I know. With no host, and the ratings went up. How did that happen? <laughs> it was like the worst selection of movies ever. It makes no sense. It wasn't the worst, but I would definitely say it was not the best year for movies. Well, I mean, not, I'm not going to say that they were bad. It's just everything was just kind of bleh. And usually when there's an upset, you know, it's because people are upset. And there was only one of those last night. Anytime something went to a movie that or a performer that didn't think was going to get it, everyone's like, well, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't anything that stood head and shoulders about the rest. Um, obviously, you know by now that the, uh, I've already forgot, what was the movie that won? The Green Door? Green Book. <laughs> the Green Door. <laughs> the Green Book one. Um, there was polarizing, uh, uh, there was polarizing opinions about that movie. Some people felt it was a little racist. Some people felt it was for old white people. And those are kind of the Oscar voters. So it ended up winning the night. Oh, yeah. And I think that was more of a political statement than a lot of people wanted to admit. Um, It seems like, you know, they went so hard the other way than the Oscars so white. Right. That maybe this was, okay, you're going to get, you guys are going to get nominated. But uh, Whitey is still going to win. Yeah. uh, If you want to talk about political films, obviously, Black Klansman was up. Um, Spike Lee has never won award before last night. He has now officially won one for his screenplay. Adapted. I believe that's correct. Uh, he was very excited. He was like, very purple on stage. It was very uh, he, vivid. He looked like he was the conductor on the soul train, yeah. It was nice. Uh, I did feel good having Don Cornelius up there talking politics. <laughs> uh, didn't say Trump's name specifically, but Trump sure thought he was talking about him. He got very disgruntled. Oh, later. yeah. Um, yeah, so those are the, well, the big the headlines. Thing. Hit me. Well, okay, here's the thing with him not getting director. Everyone thought it was going to go to him because it was going to be more of a lifetime achievement thing, right? Right. Um, kind of like the Coens winning for um, no, country. no Country for Old Men, right? Okay. And I was really pulling for him because I really like Black Klansman. But if we want to take a look at just what he did in the movie, I'm going to make the case that political stuff aside and um, history aside, he still should have won for one reason. That movie could have been played as a straight comedy and you would have lost all of the tension and the seriousness of the subject matter. It also could have been played the other way, where it's way too serious. And he walked this tightrope the entire time where he made a movie that still felt like an old school, late 80s, early 90s Spike Lee movie about race. But he made it accessible to the people who normally wouldn't go see a movie of his because they're old, white, and racist. And for that alone, I think he, he really should have gotten it. How many people did not go see this movie because they had three Ks in the middle of Black Klansman? <laughs> I think a lot of people actually might have been a little scared to go. Yes, but exactly. Uh, the the guy with the afro in the pick um, and the, the black power hand on the poster was very intimidating to some people. I'm sure it frightened some oh, little yeah. lady somewhere. But it worked. I mean, that's yeah, specifically it's, what uh, it was designed for, and I love Spike Lee for it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't perfect, obviously. Um, none of the movies this year were. But even though it wasn't even his sixth best film, maybe, I don't know, four, five, six, somewhere in there. It still was worthy of, of, of winning the award over, unfortunately, the Fairley brothers. I know only one of them did this movie, <laughs> but they are forever interlinked because of some of the things that they've done in cinema history, and I don't feel like you can just ignore that. Am I wrong? No, no. I think it's kind of funny that uh, 
we live in a world where Stanley Kubrick never won a, an Oscar for directing, but the guy who did Dumb and Dumber 2 has one. Has one, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, we can go over this later, but I do want to talk about the fact that Bohemian Rhapsody won for sound editing. And if that's not a reminder to people that people that vote on these awards that don't know what sound editing is, there's no more no, flashing no. red light than that. No, no. That one I thought was going to uh, uh, First Man. Like, I thought that was just hands down First Man. How are there not more horror awards up for that every year? I mean, or movies, that is, horror movies. It seems like that's an intricate part of a horror film is the sound editing. Well, yeah, because that's how you create tension. You know, knowing exactly what... It's kind of like a... I don't know if you've ever seen the original Exorcist in the theater. But okay. there's a part where... Well, the part where the phone rings at home. Mm-hmm. In a theater, that is cranked so high that it just scares the crap out of you. And it's just a phone ring. You know? Because yep. the rest, like the earlier like two minutes, is just completely silent. And you're not expecting it. It's a jump scare without really having a jump scare. Um, but yeah, like sound is, it's important in every movie, but I think uh, doubly so. It had nothing to do with Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. <laughs> no. Nothing at all. Oh, God, everything. everything. Well, the more I think about Bohemian Rhapsody, the angrier I get. The, yeah, him winning Best Actor Award was one of the most tragic. I mean, I don't. I can't even begin to to describe. So him winning... Uh, Green Room, Green Book winning, but yet Glenn Close didn't win. This should have been her lifetime Oscar. Like, it wasn't her best role. Again, yeah. it's not a top five role, but this was set up perfectly for her to win an award. She's been up four or five times now, still has never won anything, and yet that's where they decide not to go with the norm and, th- you know, throw something else in, and uh, the lady from The Favorite won. Well, I mean, I think, you know, you saw the same thing, you know, the same thing that happened to Spike, you know, where Maybe they're trying to feel like they're doing something different, or maybe people are like, well, "I can't vote for them." You know, they really should have had it, you know, years ago. Yeah. Um, it. Nothing about anything that happened last night makes any sense, really. It was you know, kind of a nonsense like, night. It, it was a very nonsense night. Like, as impressive as the editing in the last twenty minutes of Bohemian Rhapsody was, and it <laughs> is. Um, the rest of the movie is so choppy, and there's a clip that's going around online that's a 25-second clip that has, like, 40 edits in it, right? It's just, like, people sitting down and talking around the tape when they first meet their man. Oh, and the bad backgrounds, because there's, like, four different backgrounds? Yeah, like, it's just, it's so disorienting and weird, and he got his... uh Oscar for this, which makes no sense to me, but I mean, I like John Ottman as an editor, but it was definitely wasn't his best work. Uh, but yet, Black Panther, uh, up for a lot of awards. Everybody was uh, screaming for that to win some stuff, which I thought was ridiculous because I don't think it's a good film. I don't think it's a great film. It's a fine film, but it's not a great film. I think the but ones they that, did win I think the for ones something that, that I support. Go for it. I think the ones that it won were legit. Like, costume design, I'll give it costume design just because I have a a personal issue with historical movies winning costume and production design just because you know it's historical. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I mean this was built from scratch. Like everything that they did for Black Panther was completely you know from from nothing. And you do a historical film. Right. Obviously their records there, their pictures, right. you can go to that kind of stuff. So costume design, production design good. Yeah. You know, but when Chadwick Boseman turned around looking all indignant when it didn't win Best Picture. Like, really? Did you really think that, that was funny, though. Best Picture? That was ridiculous. 30 seconds left in this topic. Uh, anything you want to close out with this on the uh, on the Oscars from last night? Um, I really just, I, I think I'm kind of done. I, I, I don't know if I'll watch them again. This was a I, slog. Halfway through, I was just on my phone. I think if we still are doing podcasts together in 2030... You will also say that, and then the year before, and the year before, and the year before, you have also said that, and you have watched every time because you are a you're, sucker. You're right. Speaking of suckers, yeah, you're right. Speaking of suckers, <laughs> let's see if I did that transition right. Oh no, actually, yes, people <laughs> are suckers. 
because we are going to be bombarded with biopic picks this next coming year. The new Rocketman oh, trailer man, dropped, yeah. and obviously we just talked about Bohemian Rhapsody. They're coming. How do you feel about this? I actually watched a video online the other day talking about how most biopics have been the same. You know, when you're talking about like rock legends, uh, they they're all the same. Ever since the Buddy Holly story, they're all they all have the same formula, and they should have ended after Walk Hard. Yeah, just Walk like Hard, uh, the History Channel. When they do their little perfect. one-off shows, their docudramas, it's the same thing. Cut here, cut here, talking head, talking head, and biopics picks have yeah. become that. No, it's the only time that, and I think I mentioned the last time we talked about these, but uh, was it uh, Under the Sea or um, Across the Sea, the Bobby Darren one where he's nice. like Under the uh, sea is talking to the man. camera and yeah, <laughs> talking to the camera and saying like, oh yeah, when well, this happened, well actually that's not true. But I like to say it because of it. Like, if you're going to do something different with it, that's fine. But if it's just going to be, here's how he got inspired to write this one song, and it became the biggest hit, even though everyone said it would be a hit. I'm done. Did you ever see the Steve Jobs one? Not the Ashton Kutcher one, but the other one? I tried. I couldn't get into it. Would you at least say that it was a different way to make that kind of film? Yes. Yes. Um... The only problem is they those bio, most biopics are basically the uh, the greatest hits album. You yes. know, you show up and you want to see these moments that you know. And as interesting as something like that was, um, you know, where you're going to only talk about these three moments, you know, yes. um, it doesn't really give you an insight onto who the person was. And that's why I'm wondering, like, how, like, do we really need these things? Like, if it's not something that you don't know about, and, and, I mean, I'll put it this way. If you're going to make a biopic about Teddy Roosevelt, you know, talk about him and why he decided to create the national parks and have the whole thing be about that, or just him uh, creating the Rough Riders. You don't have to show me 15 seconds from every milestone in his life. So, while uh, Jobs was closest to that model, um, I don't think the, the events themselves were significant enough. That uh, makes sense. Okay. That I and okay. I'm a huge fan of Pirates of Silicon Valley, and that kind of did it better. Hmm. Fair enough. And then, you know, then you talk, have to talk about if you do a documentary, a lot of times it's just going to be better. I mean, you have to, yeah. you rely on facts in documentary, whereas Bohemian Rhapsody is about 60% real and 40% not. Oh, yeah. Well, it's kind of yep. like everyone went crazy for the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes on uh, Netflix. Yep. And are people going to enjoy the, uh, the Zac Efron movie as much? No, they're not. I am. Well, that's because you like Zac Efron. That's true. That is true. Is there uh, somebody that you want a biopic? To happen. I'm looking at a picture of Sylvester Stallone right now. I'd be interested to see a, a <laughs> biopic pic about him. Is there something wrong with that? Is it all going to be about like him filming the Italian Stallion? Uh, it no, over the top. I mean, it's just going to be about that movie alone. I, I would actually go see a movie about him, like the two hours after the release of uh, Stopping My Mom's Shoot. Oh, that'd be a good one as well. Oh, that'd be so good. Where he's just like his head's in his hands and he's drinking and someone calls and uh, a door opens and someone brings him in the trade and he looks and he's like, no, I can't do it. Oh, God, that'd be great. I watched the behind the scenes of Cobra the other day. By the way, that's on YouTube. You should definitely watch it. Oh, that was fascinating. <laughs> Man, what a life he was leading back in the day. If only. Okay, I, so, I haven't um, seen Cobra since I was a kid. I haven't seen Cobra in at least a week. <laughs> Speaking of Cobra, nope, I got nothing about Cobras, but I do have new trailers. 2019 shaping up to Yay. be a, an interesting year. I don't know if it's good or bad. Interesting. Uh, we picked a few, I don't know if I'd say our favorite trailers, but our interesting favorites of movies coming out. Is there one you want to start on? You want to talk about Dumbo? Yeah, actually, I kind of want to talk about Dumbo because um, during the... 80s and 90s, I don't know if there was a better, more unique filmmaker 
than uh, Tim Burton. But everything he's done uh, from 2000 on has just been just dreadful. Yes. And this gives me a little bit of hope that it's going to be at least visually interesting, but it also could go the complete other way. So I don't know. Okay. Well, now you scare me about that, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) How about Shazam? Shazam was one that everybody's been buzzing about. (sighs) My daughter wants to see it. I don't give a shit. Mm, Not a Shazam fan, is he? Okay, here's the thing. Um, Sorry about that. They're trying really hard to write that shit from DC where it was really way too dark and brooding, and now they're going the opposite way with it, and I don't know um, if it's going to work. And Zachary Levi, fine. I don't know. It's just, uh, I've got, this is just a comic fan of me. I've got an image of what, you know, because his real name's Captain Marvel. It's not Shazam. Ah. Um, Shazam is an acronym for like, the strength of Hercules, right? And it's the magic word that he uses to summon all of those abilities. So obviously they're having to change it because they're rights issues with Marvel. Right. Well, but I like I a good this, uh, cheesy superhero movie myself. So what? I do like a good cheesy uh, superhero movie. I mean, that's why I like the Superman with, uh, I don't even know what his name was, but uh, he did the first of the remakes, maybe? Anyways, it was cheesy and I liked it. That was the kind of superhero movies I watched when I was a kid. Superman Returns was the one that Brian Singer did. Was it the Brian Singer version? I don't. Yes, maybe. Yeah, uh, Brandon. Brandon was the uh, guy. Brandon Ralph. I yes. I loved. I loved it in that. I enjoyed that one. Give me a little bit more than that. Now, if you want to go the opposite well, end yeah. of the spectrum, climax. The new Gaspar No film. Did you see the trailer for that? Yeah, I put in there. What? Holy yeah, what Gisele. on earth is going on in that <laughs> uh, It's Gaspar. No, that's what's going on. That man has made so many just maniac films in his life. I, I can't even express uh, the insanity and the beauty of the insanity. We'll talk about somebody else that but also he, has that later, but I don't... I, but here's explain that movie. Like, explain what gonna, you saw. Who, well, who's going to see that? That's my question. I mean, it is an A24 film, and they do know how to uh, sell to people. I mean, they're getting people to go watch Beach Bum. But I don't know a whole lot of people who saw, like, Irreversible or Enter the Void, you know? I can't believe it. If they saw Irreversible, they saw, like, one scene. They're brutal. They're rough. They're hard to watch. But we need filmmakers like that. Also, you're going to have to tell me about it because I'm I'm not going to watch it. No, I'm not going to... (laughs) Say you're wrong about that. We do need, you know, more filmmakers like that, you know, so that way we can get more of, uh, uh, you know, the house that Jack built. Yes. Like we always exactly. need a, a, a Von Trier. Now, something that could have been in a Lars Von Trier film Will Smith in Aladdin. That horrified people <laughs> last week or the week before. Did it horrify you? <laughs> I looked at it just going, no, really? Mm hmm. Because it looks so cheap for a movie that costs like two hundred fifty million dollars, like it's ridiculous. Like, what do you? How do you feel? Like, who approved that tra- that first trailer? Like, what were they thinking when they put that out? Who thought this works? I mean, maybe they don't have a choice I now. Honestly, but I honestly think that it might be uh, an unfinished uh, image. Like, they're just trying to rush it out at this point. Just get it done. To Pull get the band off fast. I don't know. You know, it's kind of of this. Um, When they did Lord of the Rings, they built a model for Gollum, right? And they did most of the work for Two Towers with the old model. But so much time had passed that by the time the second one was about to come out, they said, we've got to change the model. So they changed the model last minute and basically re-rendered everything out. You know, so, um, and computing power is, yeah, and computing power is, you know, um, a lot more. There's a lot more computing power now than there was back then, so you can re-render things quicker, right? Um, yes. So I, I honestly don't know what they were thinking, but I've got a feeling that it's not going to be a final image, and I got a feeling that you're going to see a lot of changes because of it. I hope so, because that was terrible. I was embarrassed for them. One more trailer. Do you want to talk about Men in Black or Triple Frontier? 
Uh, you choose because I'm kind of meh on either. Okay, well, um, we'll go with Men in Black because everybody knows I'm going to watch Triple Frontier. It doesn't matter. So Men in Black, um, we got one of the Hemsworths uh, playing the character. We've got mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the lovely uh, person that I can't think of her name right now that was in True Detective that I've just True watched. Thompson. And Thompson. it's not Will Smith and uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Let's be honest. How are you going to get that Will chemistry? Smith gonna show up in it, you think? Do what? Do you think Will Smith's going to show up in it? Yes. Yes, I do. I mean, really, yes. because he did not show up in Independence Day. That's true, but I think he has a different relationship with the Men in Black uh, series, as it were. I think I could be lying. Maybe he's doing too much. Aladdin. I get that. Maybe Aladdin makes a hundred million dollars opening weekend, and he's got to go and sell it to the world. <laughs> no, you know. Okay. Here's the here's the thing. Uh oh, Men in Black it's moment. Here's the thing. Hit me. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. Men in Black, based off a comic book, right? Um, and the fact that this uh, franchise has ever seen as anything more than kind of fun and disposable is a little weird to me. Um, first movie, really good. It's aged actually fairly well. Second movie, my, it has probably one of my favorite reviews I've ever read in my life. They said it's the Wonder Bread of movies. There's I can see nothing that. good enough to like and nothing good enough to hate. Yeah, it's yeah. just there, and that's a great way of looking at it. Although I gotta say, I did like uh, uh, Johnny Knoxville in it. I thought he he was interesting. Uh, was it one, Johnny Knoxville's highlight? So, what was it? Johnny Knoxville's highlight? His film highlight? Is that it? No, 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 no. That's Walking Tall. No, no, no. You're wrong. It's the Graham Parsons movie. But we got to wrap this up. Oh, I didn't see that. Mm, watch it. Did but you finish your point? The third one was surprisingly good. This this one this one I've got to say, if they just keep it fun, which obviously they're trying to do because they got the two people who were funny together with the chemistry from Thor Ragnarok, this will be fine. You know, it, it's not gonna it's not gonna break the bank, but it's gonna be one of those where it probably underperforms a bit at the box office, and then people will pick up on it and it'll do better at home because people will be like, oh, did you see that? Oh, it was really good. I'll take fine. And with that, <laughs> we're moving on. I don't know about you, my friend, but I need a maniac making movies sometimes. And there's no better maniac to make movies than the great, the magical, the odd Lars von Trier. He makes the happiest movies, doesn't he? <laughs> I always feel warm and fuzzy afterwards. Right? This latest movie... I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, when I saw Dancer in the Dark, I, I laughed for like a week. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you say laugh because, quite honestly, this new movie, The House That Jack Built, starring Matt Dillon as a serial killer, as he tells his story to Virgil, or the devil, or whoever you want to say that it is, is very funny. Yeah, it is very funny. This is definitely his funniest film. Now, let's be clear up front. Lars Frontier has a very dark sense of humor, so if you like fluff pieces, this is not your kind of humor. But if you like watching a man watch two children run through the forest waiting to shoot them, but within the context of the movie, it is hilarious. This movie's bonkers, but I think it's also uh, probably his most accessible movie he's never made. Absolutely. I mean, look, let's just talk about yeah. some of the funny stuff. The Jack, Jack's the main character, his first kill with the Jack. Oh, my God. Come <laughs> on now. Well, the whole opening scene where he's just getting more and more annoyed with her. <laughs> yes. And she keeps pressing her luck. Matt, uh, I was chuckling the entire time. The, the, the first scene is definitely because you're not into the the real uh, murders yet. It is definitely a, right. a fun trip with Uma Thurman as a very badgering, uh, needy woman who needs to go to the, uh, the car place to fix her, her jack. That's not working, so she can fix her tire or fix her car. Um, you know, she kind of earned getting smashed in the face, I feel like. Also, you notice the uh, little symbolism there where his first kill happens after the jack breaks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like Every time he takes the, the body, 
to the place to store them, and there's always the the uh, cross over his shoulder every time I laughed. God, that. <laughs> I, okay, I don't so. Know. I... I would say the probably the thing that was designed to really be the funniest part of the movie it's where he's dragging the body, has the blood trail all the way behind him, and it starts raining and wipes it all away. I mean, I feel like that's that was and then the he's one like, thing. Well, that, that means designed. God wants me to kill. Yes. <laughs> oh my God! That, and there's the Bob Dylan yeah. cards. Oh, I almost forgot about the cue cards. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember what Bob yeah. Dylan song it was, but you know he's standing in front of a car and he's got cue cards on him off. Life lessons, whatever. These were different kind of cue yeah. cards, that's for sure. Now, how would you compare this to um, Von Trier's other work? Uh, I definitely agree it's the most accessible. Um, I was happy that I didn't get motion sickness. He definitely moved the camera yeah. when the murders happened, but for the most part, he wasn't moving it like normal. So that was a plus for me. Yeah, I thought that the, he started the movie a little shaky. But then, as it went on, it just became pretty locked down. Yeah, I mean, and then actually, some of the imagery in the last twenty minutes is gorgeous. That is so true. Like that, that ending was powerful. That ending was fascinating. It was. It, I think. I think it earned it. Now, I think when they go black screen and and Verge and him are talking, that was a little much. But once they got together yeah. at the end in the depths of hell and the Dante and everything else, yes, I think that was good. That was probably the best part of it. Now, how do you interpret the ending? Do you think it was a literal ending? Yeah, yeah. I didn't. At that point, I really felt like that we were where we were. Though, you know, I kind of thought like he was going to get to the other side. That seems like a very large thing to do. This person that murdered everything and then went to hell and then still made it back to heaven and it was okay. Yeah. Well, the the way I read it was, you know, he actually did escape uh, from the cops, but um, when he uh, went into the water, I feel like he drowned, and the rest was, you know, him being ushered to hell. Um, but the moment he started, like, I thought he'd get further around before he fell. But the fact that he got literally halfway and then just like a rock, that again, funny. Yes. It is extremely funny. Now, some of the movies that you might compare it to, I don't think you saw Forced Reform this year, did you? The Ethan Hawke movie? Not yet, not yet. Okay, really well, there's a, there's a lot of dialogue about um, the the universe and how things work and beliefs and morals and that kind of stuff. So it does relate to that, but obviously the big one, American Psycho, that's going to be your other big serial killer movie. How do you think it compares to that? What did um, you think? Well... American Psycho was more about the excess of the 80s and how people were still obsessed with uh, advancing their own uh, careers and making their own money. They kind of didn't care what other people were doing, you know? Fair That's enough. why you could read it as either the killings are in his head or the literal killings because no one gives a shit about anyone but themselves, right? So, like, I think because of that, it's it's doing something different. House at Jackville is really just showing you this demented person and someone who has no redeemable qualities and is completely gone. And it is far more straightforward until like you know, the last 15, 20 minutes. But um, as funny as it is, it's not a satire. It's just darkly yes. humorous. I agree. Where um, American Psycho, that's a satire. I'm glad that it didn't uh, dive too far down into the, the gore of things. I was afraid it was going to end up torture porn, uh, you know, yeah. in that area. Now, there were certainly parts. Um, I've read that uh, in the X version, or maybe the unrated version, there was uh, the boobs, you could see them get cut off. And when he kills a kid, uh, yeah. you can see that. Whereas the version we saw, at least the one I saw, he shots off his leg, but you don't get to actually see the kill shot. Right. Uh, but, you know, that's negligible. Did. Like, really? That was important? I don't understand ratings at all. It's nonsense. Well, so you, know, you know, the thing is, the part that, that disturbs me most, it wouldn't have been seeing the kid getting shot. But it's the fact that we still see him posing the dead body that's frozen <laughs> with the cut smile on the mouth of the tie. Like I know, but just when you said is, it out loud, it makes me laugh. Right. It's an like, absurdist it, comedy. It, you you look have at it to ride that. It's ridiculous. 
Yes. But to me, that's a lot darker and scarier than seeing a fake gunshot. You know? That's fair. fair enough. I know that uh, uh, my wife, she she didn't make it all the way through this. I really didn't think she was going to, uh, but she did. Uh, yeah. The one part that she objected to was when the kid cut off the little duckling's foot. Not a fan of that. Yeah. Though, you know, I read online that PETA was appreciative, at least, of that scene in the sense that, you know, kids with problems that have real mental issues, like animal torture is one of the things that they do. So it was reflecting this kind of person. Like, these are problems that you see when you're a kid. Hopefully you can work with them and they don't end up like Matt, like Matt Dillon uh, hitting somebody in the face with a jack. Yeah, it, I'm surprised that you actually watched this with your wife. Because if I try to show this to my wife, I'm pretty sure she'd divorce me. <laughs> I test her out. She, you know, I haven't pushed her band- boundaries in a while. I'm not going to wake her watch a Gaspar No film or anything. But I thought like this would be fun. I sold it to her <laughs> as serial killer movie. Uma Thurman's in the first scene. That's all I know. Yeah, I think once the kids would come into the picture, my wife would just be like, "No, no, 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 I'm done." Yeah, she's. Like um, Funny Games, this reminded me a little bit of that. Because it's so far out there, I think you can ride. She can ride with the, the ideas of the assertiveness of it. You know, there's not anything tangible in the real world. Which is also, uh, my last point here, sometimes when, when Lars falls the Dogma 95, I think it hurts him. I think in the scene was simple. When he's murdering the girl he likes to call simple, she does not appreciate that at all. But he finds it very amusing. Um, it's just... You know, again, it's regular natural lighting. So the lighting in the apartments that are at makes it look slightly amateurish. And I didn't like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he he called it Dogma 95 and he had all the rules, but he never follows them anyway. So He doesn't, but when he picks and chooses sometimes, it's like, "Mm, you didn't need that. I think a lot of it's just uh, laziness, to be honest. He can shoot quicker. Because, like, take a look at that shot at the end of uh, House Jack Built where uh, uh, they're in the boat and it's super slow-mo and it looks like a painting. Yes. You know? That probably took a couple of days to set up. Whereas a lot of the other stuff that he shoots, where if he says, well, it's Dogma 95, so I don't have to light it. Uh, I think that's just him trying to move faster. Yeah, and it can be. I'm okay with that. I mean, you know, it's piddly things at this point. It is a murder, so I understand he's trying to be involved in there and really getting you into the the boob cutting offs. But it just, yeah, you know, put some yeah. regular lights in there, buddy. I'm just saying, get some some gels or something. I don't know. <laughs> he's a weirdo, and that's how weirdos are. And he is an artist of the highest kind. But sometimes people see artists in a different light when they say things out in the real world. Not unlike uh, Lars <laughs> getting uh, banished from Cannes. Uh, for a year, year, few years, a couple years back, how do we separate the artist from art? How do we do that uh-huh. nowadays in the society of the Me Too movement and everything so literal? How do we do that? Tell me the answers, Matt. Well, people, well, people still like listening to Michael Jackson. I think the art just has to be that good. You know, yeah. if it's kind of meh, then the person's going to go down. But I look forward to talking about that on our uh, conspiracy podcast that we're going to start just so we can talk about that. Maybe he didn't do it. I'm just saying. Moving on. Go ahead. Well, I, well, he's been, he was found innocent twice. So, you know, legally he didn't. Um, but like R. Kelly never made anything close to as good as Thriller. Right. So that guy's going to jail. That's true. And uh, it certainly it is music right now, but uh, we see in the movie industry that we kind of started this whole movement. But I don't think anybody really went after the artist, per se. You know, they're going after the, the Harvey Wine scenes of the world. But, you know, how do people feel about Tarantino when he kills 150 people in the movie? How can they figure out, oh, well, that's different than in real life. He's just a normal well, person there. Well, someone tried to meet too. um Tarantino a few years back before Me Too was even a thing, if you remember. This woman uh, who uh, had hooked up with him posted the sordid details of it and how uh, she, you know, uh, I think didn't want to talk to him again and so he got her fired or something like that. Um, 
but people didn't care. And I think it's because his movies are just that good. Like, I don't think people like him as a person. They like what he does for film history, and they love his movies. But people don't like him, I don't think. Like, every time I go see one of his movies, I'm secretly hoping it's terrible so I can hate it as much as I dislike, you know, the stories I've heard about him. Right. But Do you think, every time um, I see one of his movies, it's like, oh, they're so good. Yeah, that's true. Do you think that Woody uh, Allen really has ever been hurt by the accusations that's been against him? I mean, he's made a, a movie a year for, you know, for 20 years, however long he did that. Was his career hurt by that? I, I, I think it's hurt him as in um, it hasn't won him any, he doesn't have any new fans, you know? Okay. Uh, the people who watch him are loyalists. You know what I mean? Um, it's not my like... my mom was for Bill Cosby before he finally went to jail? <laughs> right. Yes. Right. It's not like people are going to go into a classroom now and rediscover, you know, Woody Allen. Usually, like, I don't think that's really going to happen. It might on a person-to-person basis, but it's not going to... Because of his past, you're probably not going to have whole classes dedicated to him, you know? Right. Okay, that's fair enough. Now, you know, you have somebody like Louis C.K. He had a movie come out two years ago, but because of his personal life, didn't even get released. It was a fine film. Didn't have anything to do with his proclivity, but people lumped it in with that. And, you know, that's a comedian coming to film to filmmaking. I mean, obviously he had the TV show, but, you know, they still railroaded him with that. But if he's a bigger director, yeah. if he's maybe done two other films, what, could they have done that to um, uh, who did Funny People and all those other movies? Oh, Jay Yeah. Could could they take um, Apatow down? I don't think they would have. Um, but I, I think it was also the subject matter of the movie. Because he made a black and white art house film about this guy whose underage daughter starts fucking his friend, right? That's the basis of But the that movie. doesn't have, like I said, it didn't have anything to do with his problem that he was doing. They can't right, lump in right. all that stuff into that. No, 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 no. But it, it's still a weird sex movie with directed and written and starring a guy who just got in trouble for weird sex stuff. I think it's close enough that people are just like, shut it down. But if he had made like a Pixar movie or something, well, okay, that's a bad example. <laughs> they would have pulled that. Right. <laughs> um, I think if shit, I was going to say uh, Marvel, but no, they're owned by Disney too, and they they should can uh, James Gunn. So, so huh. what you want to do is not get accused of anything until you're the mid fifties and later. Like Scorsese, you <laughs> could do anything right now, and people would still watch his movies to the end of time, right? Like, there's absolutely nothing you can do as an old man to to um, give a detriment to his films, unless he um, was discovered to be in the mob and of, killed like a hundred people. Short. Short of being caught with like multiple underage girls on tape, I don't think so. Because I mean, Roman Polanski got with a thirteen-year-old, and I still watch uh, Rosemary's Baby. And I'm sure people still do, just as long as you're not watching Knife in the Water, because I didn't like that. <laughs> but that's just my own personal. Opinion. Is there anybody else that we'll have problems with going forward? I notice um, we don't hear a lot from Vincent Gallo nowadays. I feel like that he might have problems with uh, the world today. Though, quite honestly, yeah. women, you know, they see him in a different way, so uh, they'll still love him, that bastard. I will say it, it's hard for me to watch uh, Kevin Spacey stuff now. Ah, so if it goes very... far enough, then it still can affect things. Yeah, I don't so know it's your why, level of famousness his... slash the terribleness of what you did. Yeah. No, I don't know why. His has bothered me to where when I see him on, on the screen, I'm just like, nah, I'm fine. Usual Which suspects? Because won't watch I, anymore? I love him as, a, as an actor. Hmm? You won't watch Usual Suspects anymore? I, I never cared for Usual Suspects. I think my... It's because I didn't see it until college, and my friends had built it up so much. And they're like, you're never going to get see the ending coming. You're never going to see the ending. And when someone says that, my brain just starts waiting for clues. Sure. You know, and, and I don't really watch the movie in a neutral state. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going into it expecting 
you know, a puzzle. So it wasn't a surprise to me. And it was, uh, it was less of a fun experience than I would have liked. What happens if Kurt Cameron has an incident? No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't make movies anyhow. <laughs> he makes home videos. Any other artists we want to talk about? I mean, uh, again, Lars is, is foreign, so our morals don't necessarily translate to what his morals should be, even though people would feel that way sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, he also got kicked out of can, so, For you know, time. it's not like his morals fly everywhere. <laughs> um no, but I think there's always going to be a place where people like him making movies, but it's also kind of hard to see where other people are going to be able to push cinema right. without it becoming completely exploitative because, you know, in Antichrist, you have form penetration shots. Yep. You know, like in the first two minutes of the movie. I do love that. Um, and then Nymphomaniac he gets for the Hitler just, stuff and then puts Hitler in the new movie. <laughs> We should hang out with him sometime. Yeah. 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 No, it's, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know where, you know, other new weird filmmakers are going to go because anytime someone pushes the boundaries a little more, like with like something like Serbian film, uh, they're not released here and then no one hears about them. Or you get an underground following, which I've always dreamed to have. And then eventually in years and years and years from now, like Holy Mountain, people will find it. Unlike those movies, there was not a lot of midnight movies that were made in the year of 2010, but there was a lot of good movies. Might I say a lot of great movies that were made in 2010. What we're doing, Matt, here, you, me, me, you, uh-huh. it is almost the end of the decade. So uh, for the next yep. how many podcasts? I can't count that high. We're going to go through movies Ten. each year, kind of go back and look. We're going to talk about the disasters. We're going to talk about what still works, what we've discovered since. So where should we start? Um, well, I think uh, let's start with uh, Social Network, a movie that every time I think about, I wonder, is it really as good as I thought it was? Because it's just people typing on computers. And then I watch like two seconds of it, and I'm like, oh, God, this is great. I mean, you may have started with the best movie of the decade. You may have started with that. There will be an argument I don't know over the next 10 far. weeks. Oh, we'll find out. But it is high on the list. I mean, you can't argue that it's below five, because trust me, as we go through these, you keep thinking, oh, there was good movies. There's really great movies. There's earth-changing movies. Not a lot of earth-changing movies in the last decade. The King's Speech, not not an earth-shattering movie. Won awards. Didn't no. it win the uh, best movie that year? Isn't that what won? No, you don't. There's a movie on here that I think is probably my favorite movie of 2010 at the time, yes. but I think I've rewatched maybe not even a full time since it came out, and that's Inception. And as good as it is, as much as I like it, I just can't seem to sit down and want to get through it again. No, see, I have. I like it. I still enjoy it on rewatch. The one thing that I would take out is uh, the girl asking the questions. I understand why you had to have that in there. But now, after everybody's seen the movie, we all know what it's about. Can we just digitally take her out? It was just the questions over and over, and I couldn't take it. It's just asking questions, asking questions. Everything else, almost perfect. Now, um, another one on the list, Black Swan. Um, I put this on the list well, for you, I don't think it's not as good for as, me. Well, I don't think it's as good as The Wrestler, and I haven't watched it. I think I maybe watched it once or twice since it came out, whereas The Wrestler I watch fairly regularly. Um, Black Swan also might have the best performance by an actress I've ever seen. Um, here's what I can say. Um, it had a lesbian scene in there, and I, and I just didn't care by the time it happened. And that's a reflection. Hey, man, I was 30 at the time, so maybe I was getting older, but I was so checked out at that point. I just, it wasn't for me. I love that guy, um, the, the instructor guy. He's a fantastic dancer. Um, but it just... I was so bored. It's bored to tears almost. Now, here, I'm going to go down, uh, just mention a couple of, because I went through a, each year when I compiled my list, and I didn't have a set number for each year or anything like that. But uh, a couple others that came out in 2010 that I absolutely loved. Um, yes. And I, don't, and I don't know why. 
uh, Jackass 3D. I had so much fun. Nothing wrong with that? With Jackass 3D. What was the other one? I'm what sorry. I, you, you cut out. I'm sorry. Uh, Jackass 3? What was the other one? Jackass 3D is one. Um, a little indie sci-fi movie called Monsters that I really yeah. liked. Um, and then uh, as kind of terrible as the the plot is, I really loved just the style and the visuals of Tron Legacy. And also The Crazy, the remake of The Crazy. I had more fun watching that in a theater than pretty much anything besides The Fly. I guess I can't argue with that. I will tell you that one that's on here that I just had recently, I watched over the weekend, it was on cable, has grown on me, and that's unstoppable. I mean, look, you've got Denzel, you got Runaway Train, and you got Chris Pine. How can you go wrong with that? I think I teared up a couple times. I laughed many times at them. Unstoppable. Not a great film. I'm not saying it should have won an Oscar, but I'm saying for a rewatchability, that's where it's at. Four you Lions. Know I... Oh, go ahead. No, go. No. I was just going to say Four Lions. Not very enjoyable rewatchable, but it was hilarious. <laughs> it is my favorite terrorist movie that has ever been made. Um, to watch a guy get blown up while he's trying to do something with his sheep was hilarious. It's not sexual. Anyways, you got to watch the movie. It's, uh, I don't even know what country it's from. Highly underrated. Four lions. Terrorist. Funny. Failures. Good stuff. Now let's have one that's on both of our lists. Yes. That I think you like more than I do just because I hate the ending of the movie. But besides that, I think we can both agree it might be technically one of the best made movies of all time. Scott Pilgrim. Absolutely. That is on the my more list. I watch it, the, the less I'm bothered by Michael Sarah. I adore him. I feel like that role is made <laughs> for him. It's just you think weirdness, so? quirkiness, it's... skinniness. But I mean in the in the, the source material he was meant to be like a cool guy and you know, he's kind of the antithesis of cool guy. Well I'm very thrilled that I did not read the source material because that's dumb. He was perfect. They wrote it wrong. The movie makers did it right. Scott Pilgrim so versus the world. We can agree the original original ending was better. Yeah, I'm fine either way. Is there one film on here that you will still cry when you watch it? Because Blue Valentine will still get to me. It was the only film I've ever watched the ArcLight. Um, I went by myself on like a Thursday night, cried all alone, paid like twenty bucks to watch the movie. And uh, cried all the way back home. Oh, so did you, if you paid twenty bucks, you were at the Cinerama Dome, weren't you? I think I paid like sixteen bucks. I never got to go to Cinerama Dome. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Uh, Toy Story three actually. Uh, yeah, that, that one the still one. gets I'm me surprised. at the end where they're facing death. Yeah, a lot of people say that, that one gets me. A lot of people say that. So, do we have one that's going forward? Can we can we agree on one? We probably can't, but I'm going to ask. Uh, you said Social Network was the yep. best. Yep. I, I think we should, because uh, I also had stuff like True Grit on mine, which I love True Grit. I think it's That's... really great. Uh, um, okay. Hmm? I, I think we could we could probably find common ground with Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim it is. Okay, well, let's move that on to the next round. Okay. Next time we'll talk about It is about decided. That should be a good time to be had. Oh, so we've done that. Bracket? Do what? Are we oh, going to yeah, bracket, we'll bracket it out? Yeah, yeah. I love brackets. Oh, yeah. Scott Pilgrim with the world. First one going on. We'll have to figure out how to do that because 10 doesn't really divide that well, but we'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Bracket stuff. Also, Brandon Ralph is hilarious in that movie. Yes. Concurred. Jason Schwartzman is great, but he's always good. He's really good in that. One of the few times I'm not annoyed by him. Well, you can just shove that. Shove I'm it, sorry sir. I'm not a fan of Darjeeling Limited. I'm coming to... Oh, no. Yeah, no, me either. Can't argue that one. Now you're going to leave us on a somber <laughs> note, huh? Give us a positive note to leave the show on today. What are you doing? What are you watching? What should the people do? What should people watch? Um, I think I'm going to get into uh, The Expanse. Oh, um, adore it. Yeah, you've told me about it. I had another friend talk to me about it today, so it's like, okay. Uh, I think it's time for me to check on that. Plus, I'm going to uh, watch uh, First Reformed. Because after seeing some more stuff from it, like I, I, I know I need to see it. That may be my, my favorite movie of the year in 10 years. The movie was so interesting uh, and, and just 
oh, there was so much about that and so much to talk about. Like, it's such a fun movie to actually talk about afterwards. The ideas and the thoughts that they're talking about. And him with the Pepto-Bismol and the whiskey. It's a whole thing. You'll see. You'll see. <laughs> um, is that your only recommendation? You can give them as many as you want. Um, I'm going to say uh, if, they ha- if they haven't seen it, watch the favorite. Yes. Um, I, I was surprisingly entertained by that. And that's saying something. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's like the just the opposite of... Um, oh, darn it. I forgot the movie. Uh, um, I'll think of it later. But it's just the opposite of that, and you hate it. Phantom Thread. Yes. There you go. Just the love interest in the other way. I say to you, sir. I say to you, Fargo, season two. Came out a couple of years ago. I'm looking at the, at the uh, Blu-ray right now. Probably, maybe, could be the best season of a TV show ever. Maybe. Could be. Fargo season two. It had laughs. It had cries. I've stolen stuff from there. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's a secret in the new script, but I've stolen stuff from there. And if you want to combo with that with something else, True Detective season three, just now over, wrapped up uh, yesterday. I thought this season was really good. I'm always going to like season two the best. Season one, number two. Season three, number three. But it's still the best of the best in TV. So I liked it. It wasn't um, it wasn't explosive. It was more of a drama this year, which makes it more of a TV show than an event, which is kind of sad because True Detective had that event-type television for a couple of years. But Mahershala is fantastic. Steven Dorff better win awards because, man, he's great as an old man. That's all I got to say. Steven Dorff, old man, award winner. So those are my recommendations. You've given yours. Anything else we want to tell the people this week? Uh, no, just uh, remember to get plenty of sleep each night because I have not had that, and I don't feel like I'm functioning well. I don't understand that. Nine hours for me every day, but I don't have children. So that's the way that that goes. Um, or, you know, like a real... Never had nine hours. Nine hours, man. I can't I can't work without it. We've got um, Twitter. We've got Instagram. Mattman Pod. If you want to check that out. Also been running our blog, blog. page. And the blog. Been doing a lot of trailers this week. We'll do some more stuff. Expand our movie verse on there as well. So if you want to follow that... Check that out. And uh, I think that's all we got. I think so. All right, buddy. See See you. you next week.